Hello and welcome to the Medical Humanities Podcast, the official podcast of BMJ's Medical Humanities Journal. We invite you to listen in and join the conversation from academic discussions happening in our journal to interviews with filmmakers and artists and global perspectives on health and medicine from around the world. Stay up to date with public discussions that matter to medicine and to the humanities because life happens at the intersections. Welcome back to the MH Podcast. I'm Brandy Skilache, Editor-in-Chief. The humanities are broad and include history, literature, and the arts, but also include religion, theology, philosophy. And increasingly in the U.S., elements of religion have crept into most medical and political discourse. The Bible has been invoked repeatedly, for instance, in discussions of women's rights to abortion, same-sex marriage, adoption, coverage rights, and the list goes on. So today, to help us discuss some of the political sides of this debate, we welcome John Fugelsang, host of Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM, as well as an American actor, TV personality, comedian, and Twitter burr beneath the saddle of the far right. Uh, he's been a regular on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and hosted Viewpoint on Current TV. He once got George Harrison to give his last live performance on VH1 and got Mitt Romney's advisor to call Mitt an etch-a-sketch on CNN. So, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of big, big things going on here for John. John, I'm so glad to have you on today. Yes, deep culture, Brandy. Thank you so much. For <laughs> um, I'm excited because I know much of the time on Twitter and in some of your other work, you have stepped in to, to talk about the ways in which uh, religion has been used incorrectly to try and kind of force agendas. And I think this is something that doesn't really get talked about as much from the medical and humanities side, but but it's worth discussing. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about um, what's happened in the last two years that has really changed. Well, I, I think it's really been what's happened in the last, say, 35 to 40 years. I, I think that the modern Christian right recognized um, after Roe v. Wade and before the election of Ronald Reagan, that the surest way to power was um, through the word abortion, because they have succeeded in our country in getting Christians to reject everything Christ talked about in favor of abortion, which Christ never talked about. Um, now, when I say that Jesus never talked about abortion, I'm not saying that he would support abortion, but what I'm saying is that uh, he never mentioned it, it existed. God is not anti-abortion, nor is the Bible. In Book of Numbers, God gives uh, Moses rather gruesome tips for a pregnant, unfaithful wife. Uh, and, you know, if God had a problem with killing kids, we'd have no Passover. But um, my view is that I don't think Jesus, if he were real or a myth or an historical figure or son of God, take your pick. I'm just going by the book that they've agreed on, that uh, Jesus probably wouldn't favor incarcerating women who've done it, because I think that's logical endgame of the uh, overturn women's reproductive rights movement. It's, you're, you're not going to end abortion. You'll just end the safe, legal, regulated kinds. As a comedian, um, I, I wound up talking about it quite a bit. I have an abnormally Catholic background. My parents were both ex-clergy. My father was a Franciscan brother. My mother was a nun. And um, they were both people- That's remarkable. Like, Oh, quite yes. It's uh, they both were married to God beforehand, but he got heavy <laughs> right uh, in this. <laughs> and, and you know, my parents were like a majority of older Americans. They didn't like calling themselves pro-choice, but they didn't want to go back to a time when 
abortion was criminalized. And as, as a comedian, I didn't really touch issues too much about Christian hypocrisy. Jesus was certainly against the death penalty, um, but never mentioned abortion. And yet the average American fundamentalist or conservative Christian has flip-flopped those two issues and you know, supports the death penalty wholeheartedly, which is ironic because Jesus might still be here. Uh, and and they oppose this thing, and they prioritize something Christ never talked about over everything they did talk about. In the last two years, it's come to a head because, to put it delicately, support of Donald Trump is incompatible with gospel teachings. And when I began to um, talk about this on stage, I was aware of two things. One, it was hard to make it funny. And two, I couldn't believe the response I got. They like to say that the largest growing religious group in America are Mormons. I actually have come to think the largest growing religious group in America are people who were raised religious and now consider themselves spiritual because they're turned off to the hypocrisies of organized religion. Mm-hmm. And um, pretty soon, like Bill Maher was having me on his show to debate Jerry Falwell and David Duke. And um, I've been invited to do sets at interfaith shows, Christian shows, atheist shows. And um, for me, it's sort of like, I-, I think that atheists and people of faith who are compassionate and have empathy are logical allies uh, in a lot of struggles. So um, I, I tend to have a, a, my time spent thumping Bible thumpers with the Bible, and I get an imaginal amount of hate from people who belong to a club that was founded on love. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that's really interesting. Of course, I follow you on Twitter, and I've caught some of these debates and some of these these. Um, Argument, somewhat one-sided arguments, because it, to have a real argument, you kind of have to have two sides, uh, all using the same sort of set of research and facts and standards. And of course, that isn't as frequently not what happens. Um, but this is something that I think is interesting from the perspective of of medicine as well. And and there's a funny way in which a lot of times, um, what is it? You're not supposed to talk about religion or politics, right? Um, at the dinner table, <laughs> but then you know, here we are. Medicine kind of sometimes averts this as well, and so I find that at times, us, this is I think true of medical humanities professionals as well. We kind of sort of skirt around these issues, but but they're really important because medical coverage is is being held in the balance here. I mean, people are basically being told they don't they won't be a, permitted to have certain kinds of medical coverage. This is the whole uh, woman's right to her body kind of thing or people are afraid to go see um you know their doctors if they if they have if they're having problems i've i've seen many women talking about just how traumatized they've been by all of this um aggression and so i think that it is something that medicine needs to talk about and the fact that medical humanities includes things like theology and philosophy um we need to engage we need to engage with it so um the other the, one of the other points that you you talk about is uh, this this sense that there's a real hatred, um, and this hatred is supposed to be on behalf of uh, the argument is that we're protecting children, and yet there's clearly a real breakdown there because it seems like that uh, medically politically seems to stop after the baby's born, and I wonder can we talk about that a little bit because this is a huge huge problem in the United States right now. What with 
uh, the way immigrants are being treated, incarceration, and all of that stuff. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the healthcare debate was most fascinating to me, this this movement of prayer against care. Um, Jesus pretty much gives his marching orders to the faithful in Matthew 25 that you have to take care of the sick and take care of the poor and be kind to those who are incarcerated. Those are his marching orders. And it's the reason why the old church used to build so many hospitals. Jesus mm-hmm. commanded his followers to heal the sick. So, you know, it really was just consistent. I guess the greatest irony is, considering that this character of Christ, again, whether he was an historical figure, an activist, divine son of God, total myth, whatever you want to go by, um, the only way to be a truly conservative Christian is to be a radical revolutionary. And, you know, this whole notion that you are your brother's keeper is something that Jesus really brought home. So when I saw the Christian community leading the fight against the Affordable Care Act, which again is a far cry from anything that you know uh, the acts of the apostles would do i mean that was the mitt romney conservative plan as you well know uh it's deeply depressing and and that this religion that was based on love and compassion at least in our society has become this mean little clique that uh by and large people may do very charitable things and be very kind but what's really damaged america i think more than anything is this notion that christians can walk into the voting booth and vote against everything Christ ever talked about and still think it's okay because they oppose Christianity and they donate money to their church. Jesus never had democracy. We do. So, uh, you know, to me, the the thing is, if you're going to go and vote to turn away war refugees, if you're going to vote to make healthcare less available, if you're going to vote to make the rich more rich and more comfortable, if you're going to vote to bring back torture, if you're going to vote for grab them by the pussy. Uh, go ahead and vote how you want. Uh, if you're going to vote for the homophobe or the, the person who wants to kick trans troops out of the military or to make life harder for trans kids, go ahead and do it. But stop claiming Christianity as your moral camouflage because you're actually going against every major tenet of Jesus. Most of these people's Bibles, as you well know, Brandy, are the book of Leviticus and book of... <laughs> Parts of it. Yeah, the left, left behind book. And there you go. You know, what I find interesting is the, the fact that you're right. It's a political ideology that is, how do you put it, wearing the mask of. It's sort of masquerading as a particular uh, religious philosophy. But in, in many ways, it's really just a political ideology. And it seems to me, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks this, but the fear is such a huge part of this. And it's not actually based on a kind of welcoming um you know let us broaden the <laughs> broaden the community of believers sort of thing it does seem to be based on fear and so it seems very much a political ideology rather than anything like uh the religion that it it is claiming to be and of course we can talk about this in in terms of other religions as well um it's sort of it's not that dissimilar from people kind of deciding that all of islam are jihadists when of course they're not um, so we've kind of got this bizarre way in which uh, it's the pot calling the kettle black. But it but... is the extreme fundamentalist of every religion. That's the that's the thing to keep in mind. It is those extreme right wing fundamentalist Christian Jews and Muslims who are going to keep the world interesting for a very long time. And it's not the moderate or liberal Christians, Jews and Muslims who are causing the problems. They're getting along just fine all over the world right now. And that you know, people of different faiths getting along, that ain't going to get the clicks, that ain't going to get the eyeballs, that ain't going to get a movement going. Uh, Love does not get good ratings. So again, it's free to see why (laughs) this fundamentalism can be so popular. Um, And fundamentalist religion, it's amazing because that 
it's sort of religion unto themselves. The more to the extreme right you are in your faith, and I'm sure everyone listening to your podcast has a, a loved one in one of these categories, uh, fundamentalist religions of all type have the same core characteristics in common. Um, sex is bad. Uh, gay sex, really bad. Gays, God made a mistake there. I don't know. God has to clean up his mess. I guess he can. We'll do it. Uh, women are inferior. The more conservative any religion is, the more women are second-class citizens. Um, other religions are inferior. They're okay. We don't hate them, but we know they're not good. And violence is okay if my side does it. We get a waiver. If you're a fundamentalist and you believe that your club is truly is the only group that speaks for God, then any group opposing you is representing Satan. And I'm not going to negotiate school mm -hmm. curriculum or what marriage means with Satan. Uh, the fundamentalists also tend to have a, a victim mentality, which Jesus didn't have on his worst day. Yeah, so true. Um, and I, I agree with you because I think it's uh, it's become a very divisive thing, um, and here and I will say that you know I, I work in a very diverse. I live in a diverse city. I work with people who are practicing medicine among diverse populations. You have lots of different people with lots of different beliefs who are coming together, and as a medical community, you have to be able and ready and willing and happy to treat all of these people coming from these different religious backgrounds. Um, and yet, we're now also operating in a system that is beginning to judge whether or not you're allowed to practice your medicine, not much much less the religion. And uh, I'll give you an example. We're watching the Brexit debate. I have many friends and colleagues who are um, concerned that they are going to lose doctors who are immigrants who have come over from other countries and who are practicing. Um, I know that when they did the travel ban here in the United States, uh, a physician right here in Cleveland, Ohio, was trapped and couldn't get back to the country to see patients because she is originally from one of these other countries. And so I know it's not all built around a religion, but that sense of othering, that sense that this is someone other and therefore um, not like us, it, it is actually has become in some ways part of this very fundamentalist religion. I'm afraid I agree. You know, Jesus as a figure... And I'm going to try to not make this all about Trump and Pence, but if you look at this Jesus character, he his one consistent trait is that he's always standing up for the marginalized, right? Whoever is the most oppressed in his society, that's who he's going to fight for, whether it's the poorest of the poor, the lepers, the prostitutes, um, the despised tax collectors, the uh, hated uh, foreigners like the Samaritans, uh, or even the occupying Roman army. It's taken over the Holy Land when, when the centurion comes and asks him to heal his slave. And by the way, the Greek uses the term pais, beloved boy. A little historical context. Jesus wasn't anti-gay. Uh, he does it. But the Trump version of Christianity is one that always uses the marginalized for scorn to try to make the majority feel victimized. So you'll see this against refugees, undocumented immigrants at the border, migrants fleeing the violence from our own drug war in Central America, transgender kids who want to use the bathroom they're comfortable in, transgender soldiers who want to serve their country, uh, Muslims trying to come in from overseas. Time and time again, this is what authoritarians do, but they go and attack the marginalized communities. So my whole point has been, by definition, mm -hmm. uh, conservative Christianity really is neither. And for me, there are people who talk about it, but they're mainly academic or theologians. And um, I thought, well, I'm going to try and do comedy about this and see where I get. And the most surprising thing was 
how great the response was, which led me to believe that a lot of Americans uh, do have faith in something. They they believe in a God of some kind or have some spiritual yearning. Uh, they think Jesus is a cool guy and they like Christmas. They don't like religion. And that's a scorn that is earned. Mm. I know we're we're getting close to time now. Let's wrap this back around. We started off talking about women's rights and uh I do feel that uh, your point is very well taken, that there doesn't seem to be a lot of room for women's rights. And there's just recently been an article, I think it was in the New York Times, about uh, Viagra, for instance, and how women, it's utility for women, because it also is useful for women. It's It's uh, can be used to get rid of cramps and all kinds of other horrible things, um, but that they didn't do any of that. It's great for jet lag for both genders. <laughs> great, but they they just didn't test it on any of those things. Like women have become sort of invisible in that in the pharmaceutical industry, and the reasons given, according to this article, which is also based on a on a book, uh, were essentially that um, <laughs> that women having menstrual cramps is not uh, is not a problem. But of course, we all know what Viagra <laughs> is for. So so somehow that has much more validity. And so can we talk more generally about how religion and medicine have kind of come together? To I won't say uh, <laughs> I won't say that they are the origination of women being invisible in these ways, but to promote the invisibility Absolutely. of and women. I mean, in these we issues. see that playing out all through history, but also in in modern times. I mean, when you look at Hobby Lobby and the controversy there that they don't think your birth control is medicine, which it is, because the Bible is against birth control, which it's not, and. Again, it's, you know, and I could tell you all day the, the story of Onan in the book of Genesis and how Onan spilling his seed mm -hmm. has been used for centuries, literally, to uh, for millennia, rather, to say that any kind of non-procreative sex is evil. Uh, so masturbation, being gay, uh, birth control, all against the will of God. The actual story is God orders Onan to impregnate his dead brother's wife and Onan feels creepy about it. So he's disobeying a direct order from God. But getting the story wrong created thousands of years of hangups and guilt and shame for people and is used to this day, mm -hmm. to this day, to deny women health care because cannot use the Bible to say mm -hmm. that uh, that birth control is wrong. The one story they pinned it all on uh, is not about that. And when God said fruitful and multiply, there were two people. <laughs> now we're at seven billion. Mission accomplished. But it's been the whole and of course, because women have not had uh, the control of most society's power structures, they have either been unheard or ignored completely. And it's very exciting to be alive at a time when that's beginning to change. And, uh, you know, again, this is why it's like the difference between racism and bigotry. Um, bigotry is hatred. Racism is institutionalized bigotry, the kind that could make someone really wonder with no evidence if this black president wasn't born in America. Uh and they don't understand why that's mm. racist. So it's much the same with right. with misogyny. It's so ingrained in the culture that very often, uh, you know, uh, I talk to Catholics all the time who don't understand why it could possibly be sexist. It, it, we're just following God's law. But there's nowhere in the Bible that says no knob, no job. Why can't women be priests? So, you know, it's like it's all deconstructing the hangups of dead guys and the power structures of dead mm -hmm. guys. And we're alive at an amazing time in science and, and in medicine and art and religion when um, the old ways and the old powers are starting to become obsolete. Yes. And I think fighting being obsolete is, is some of the reason why we probably have seen such vitriolic attacks 
now, uh, I, I think that the the louder the voices of women and minorities become, the more you get that pushback from those who have held on to power and who are traditionally yeah. uh, both male and white um, and Western. So I think that's that's really one of the focuses that we we miss sometimes. I think in medical humanities, particularly, um, even though it's quite broad, I do think that there's some things we tread lightly around and we really should face them because these are important issues. And they they have a tendency, whether we want them to or not, to affect policy and therefore treatment and ultimately the future of care. So, um, and I should, you know, obviously the uh, the proclamation here is not <laughs> to be against religion, but to recognize that there are ways in which religion is being used as a club to beat down yeah. medical and health progress rather than as something that's that's part and parcel with it, in fact. And I, I guess that's why I felt so compelled to get into the fight the way I have, because if you watch, you know, traditional American media, you get two points of view, the atheists and the imbeciles. You'll get none. <laughs> in this so <laughs> You'll get the cretins screaming at women outside clinics. Um, and that's what passes for religion. Mm -hmm. And that is what our media culture has allowed to become the de facto religious point of view. And when I first debated Jerry Falwell, uh, I was just a kid, but I was thrilled because, you know, where do you get off saying these things? It's because as a culture have assented to it mm -hmm. and women have been silenced. And so it's just the world we grew up in. But for the Catholic church to not allow women priests, I mean, we're getting close to the point where uh, the church is going to need women more than women need the church. And you travel around this country today, uh, and you, as I do, and you will see churches that are mostly empty with some old people struggling to understand that priest from India or Africa who has been assigned there because American seminaries are empty. Women not being in the priesthood, uh, birth control bans, uh, uh, celibacy laws, all of it is man-made bullshit that has nothing to do with Christ, but all to do with control Da Vinci Code style. And it's why the Catholic Church mm -hmm. is becoming a, a model of adapt or die. And they're refusing to adapt. They're choosing instead to just become a third mm -hmm. world church and die off slowly and painfully. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm going to say I hope it doesn't happen because I do think the Catholic Church is the greatest force for, uh, for, for anti-poverty, for universal health care, and opposing the death penalty. But in the last month alone of this recording, Brandy, we've seen so many different sex scandals beyond just child rape. I mean, the nuns who are sexually abused and trafficked and the priests with children that are kept secret out of wedlock. I mean, this system can't sustain this illusion anymore. No, no, not like that. We live in this, you know, this um, duality world of uh, science or faith, and most of the believers I know don't reject science. And to me, uh, believers, atheists, scientists are logical allies if you have empathy for other humans and there's common ground. Um, again, there's nothing in the Bible whatsoever that commands you to ignore climate science or, you know, it's all just selfishness and it's all people who've been raised to believe that God has the same hangups and prejudices they have. It's the oldest trick in the book. That's right. And of course, medical humanities is really, in health humanities, which I should say, we, we aren't just medical humanities, but health humanities is really about the fact that humans are at the center of these policies. And the, the moment you forget that it's human at the center of medicine, that it's a human being at the center of politics or philosophy or anything else, uh, you're doing it wrong. So really, um, here on Medical Humanities, we're, we're excited to carry these new viewpoints and, um, and to be part of the conversation. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to the Medical Humanities Podcast. Stay in touch by reading the journal or our blog online. Just follow the links in the episode description. We're also on Twitter at medhums underscore BMJ or find us on Facebook. Facebook.